everyone. Welcome again to South Lansing Christian Church. My name is Walter. I'm the teaching and small groups minister here. And uh, it's finally, it feels like fall out there. It's so nice. I'm so glad the 80 degree weather is gone. We lit our family's first fire last night. It was really nice, kind of unnecessary, but we were just excited about it. So uh, fall is a really good time for me personally, and it's a really good time for our church as well. There's a lot of go- a lot of things going on here, a lot of ways in which our church kind of seems to be firing on all cylinders. And so one of those ways is right now we are reading through the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And as we do so, we've got multiple ways for you to interact with what we're, we're reading every week. And so Mondays through Thursdays on Facebook Live, we'll be at 12.12, we'll be reading together. We've got discussion groups uh, and, and small groups happening that are talking about the reading. We're talking about stuff here on Sunday mornings. Our sermons are all coming out of what we have been reading. And so this week, we're flipping the page from Joseph last week in the end of Genesis to Exodus and the story of Moses. Now, as we flip the page, things have have changed significantly for the Israelites in that they came to Egypt as refugees escaping a famine, and then they stayed in Egypt temporarily, temporarily extended to its longest possible amount of time because it was 400 years later. They ended up being slaves in Egypt, and God chose to bring them out. And as he did, as he did, you'll notice that just like we've talked about in the last few weeks that God sees and God hears. He's not aware of what has what is happening in the lives of his people. Exodus 3 verse 7. We'll read this in a little bit, but I want to read it to you right now. Exodus 3 7, the Lord said to Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. And yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Like we've talked about, God sees, God hears, and God responds. God is truly that ever-present help. Now, the manner in which God helps his people is not always the manner in which we expected or anticipated, and that's because, you know, God is, is God. He, he has the, all the authority and all the power, and if you, if you think about it, God could have reached down into Egypt and picked up the Israelites and floated them nicely to the promised land and deposited them there safely, and he could have. He's God, right? God could have sent the armies of heaven in to wipe out the Egyptians, and then the Israelites could have owned Egypt and the promised land as well. Again, he could have. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to partner with a specific human being to set him up as leader, to prepare him, and then to send him out. And so, and so God called Moses. God called Moses. You know, God's call. That's something that many of us have experienced. Maybe you've experienced God's call. For some who've heard God's call, it's it's been to big things. Our, our missionaries, Tina and Marty Ganong, have, have chosen to give up their life here and go to Africa to, to translate the Bible into a language in which it hasn't been read yet so that people can hear the Word of God in their own language. My friends BJ and Mary are in the process of selling everything that they own. If you get on their Facebook right now, it's like, here are two rakes and a broken shovel for 10 bucks, and here is a coffee table that our kids not on. They're selling everything that they own so that they can go to the other side of the world with their kids and their family and be missionaries. God's call for some of us is to big, 
life-changing things, but God's call for all of us is always life-changing. It just might not, it might not change your life in the way that you expect. God's call is always life-changing, but you might not have to go to the other side of the world to, to follow God's call. That's because God calls us at different times to different things. For some of us, sure, go sell all your possessions and, and, uh, and go off and do a life of missions. But for others of us, most of us, I think I'm safe in saying, God's call is a little more local, a little closer to home. A little more mundane in our idea, in our eyes. It, it's, it's God's call is, is to our, our friends and to our neighbors and to go tell the people that we know about Jesus. And I've got to be honest, I've got to be honest, the closer that we get to home, the more that we tend to ignore God's call. All of us, though, have experienced God's call to place our faith in Jesus at, at some point in our life and to make him the Lord of our lives. That's a call that extends to, to everyone. And so all of us have heard it. Some of us haven't taken that step yet. And, you know, for some of us, it's because there's some hesitations. There's some pride in the way, maybe. If you talk to anybody who came to Jesus as an adult, you'll find that it took a great deal of humility and confidence in who Jesus is and and his call to, to take that step. And so if that's you today, and we're going to be talking about God's call quite a bit, if you've been hearing Jesus call you, if you've been feeling him tugging at your heart, if you have felt that call to turn from your own way and turn back to God and to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to be obedient in baptism, today could be that day. Today could be that day. So don't let one more day go by. Choose to submit. Choose to get around that pride and that fear and respond to God's call. No matter where you're at, though, this morning, and no matter what God is calling you to do, I, I think that you're in the right place. Because today, as we turn and dig into Genesis, to Exodus 3 and 4, we're going to be talking about a man who was called by God, but who was more than a little hesitant. So turn with me, Exodus 3, we're starting in verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. I must go see it. Then the, the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look. Hey, if you're reading with us this week, you'll have started the Moses story uh, about a day and a half ago. And I think today we're reading chapters uh, 4 and 5 maybe. Uh, either 3 and 4 or 4 and 5. And so that's where we are. If you're not yet reading with us, today would be a great day to jump into the story because you can jump into Exodus and you'll be right with the church and, and what we're talking about over the next few weeks. And so either way, most of us in this room, I think, are familiar with the story of Moses, kind of the outline of this, this narrative. Moses is this boy who was dipped out of the Nile and uh, grew up in Pharaoh's palace. And as an adult, he had to flee Egypt after killing an Egyptian and now we catch him here in chapter 3. Moses has a wife and a family, and he's been living as a shepherd for decades in, in Midian. And, and so at the fresh young age of 80, God calls Moses. He encounters this incredible phenomenon, this burning bush. It's burning in the desert, but it's not burning up, and God's call has, has begun with a, a sign of God's authority over nature. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. 
Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then these verses we read earlier. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. And so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look! The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So God gets Moses' attention. He states his concern, and then he sends Moses very clearly out on this mission. And it's interesting that God used this burning bush you know, to get Moses' attention. Because God could have spoke to Moses out of thin air, but he didn't. And so instead he used this burning bush. I guess maybe he didn't want to frighten Moses more than he already was, was frightened. But either way, he, got, he, he captured Moses' attention and then he sent him out. And I, I wonder this morning, does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? Are you tuned in? Are you listening to him? Are your eyes fixed on him? And if, if not, what do you think God has been using to get your attention recently. Sometimes the ups and downs of life, sometimes the things that happen in our relationships or our health or elsewhere, these are the kinds of things that God uses to kind of wake us up and remind us that he's there. Remind us that he has a purpose for us. And so has God been doing that in your life recently? Has God brought people across your path that it just seems too good to be true or something is different? Has Has God been doing something with your friendships or with your kids? Is there a way that God has been trying to get your attention? Well, if so, then maybe pay attention, right? But as you do, as you start to fix your eyes on Jesus, as you start to pay attention to what God wants from you, don't be surprised if God asks some pretty big things. Prepare to hold on because God is not shy about asking big things from his people. I mean, just look at what he he asked of Moses. Return to the land from which you're a fugitive. And get all these people to listen to you. And, oh, by the way, inform the ruler of this land that you are taking his entire workforce away. No big deal, Moses. No big, no big deal. Verse 11. Let's see how Moses responded to that. Moses protested to God. Who am I to, uh, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, protested might be a bit of a strong translation here. I bet most of your translations say something like, and Moses answered God or Moses said. But I understand where the translators were going here because you can imagine Moses. He's hesitant. He's a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And that hesitancy that that Moses displays increases as as time goes on. And and we'll see multiple responses of Moses. Four four times Moses responds to God and asks a question. And then a fifth time Moses says, "Eh, God, I, I don't think so. And we'll look at those all in a moment. But for right now, I want you to to just notice the patience with which God responds to Moses. For each question, each legitimate response that Moses has, God hears Moses' question. God considers it, and then he responds. And Moses raises all kinds of questions, those concerning his own qualifications, those concerning how people are going to listen to him. 
For each one of those, God hears and God responds. And I think this has got to be, this has got to be encouraging for those of us who have ever had trouble listening to God. For those of us who are initially hesitant, look, God expects obedience from his people. It's an expectation God has. God also knows who we are, right? God knows how we're wired, and, and he also knows that for some of us, it takes a while to come around to where God is leading. For others, it takes a great deal longer to come around to where God is leading. And so if you've got hesitancies, if you're feeling inadequate or insufficient about what God may be calling you to do this morning, take, take heart. You're in good company. Moses was right there with you. He felt underqualified. Look at, look at what God said to him. Verse 12, God answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. There's an aside here we're not going to get into this morning, but this is a, this is a striking sign in that God says, hey, the sign that all of this is true and, and I'm, what I'm telling you is going to come true is that when it comes true, you'll recognize it. it, it it's, it's amazing the trust that God asks of his people sometimes. But beyond that, beyond that, remember that our anchor passage for this entire series is Psalm 46. In Psalm 46, we hear that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And in the context of, of Psalm 46, it really is that God is that help in trouble. When the world seems chaotic, the imagery in the psalm is, is uh, earthquakes and wars. When the world seems chaotic, God is there in the midst. God is our, our ever-present help. But I also think... That as you look at Exodus 3 and 4, you'll see that even, even when things aren't so chaotic, but even when God is just calling us to step up, when God is challenging us in some way, God is also that ever-present help. As he says to Moses here, I will be with you. Now God was calling Moses to an incredible task. right? A, a task that would have, have seemed overwhelming, intimidating. Moses would have to confront his past He would have to convince all of the elders of Israel that he was a real deal. He would have to go talk to the king of Egypt. He would have to lead all of these people out into the wilderness. Think of the logistics of just getting them all to walk in the same direction at the same time, let alone keeping them fed and uh, and, and hydrated and sheltered. This task was daunting. Daunting. But God wasn't just going to throw Moses out there and let him get eaten by the wolves, was he? No, he was sending them out there, but he was going too. And I think sometimes we forget this fact. When we hear God's call, we think, you know, oh man, God, how am I going to do that? God, I'm insufficient. God, what will people think? How will I live? I'll make a fool of myself. How will I survive? And we get ourselves all wound up in all of these little details, thinking that it all depends upon us, upon our own abilities, upon our own wisdom. But God's, God's not calling any of us to a, a solo project. Because when God sends us out, God goes out too. This episode in Moses' life here in, in these couple chapters, it, it, it continues on. And if you want extra credit this morning, uh, go home and write in your journal, read Exodus 3 and 4, and write down all of the things that God promises to do for Moses and the Israelites. Because it's not a small list here. And even though God is asking a great deal of Moses, God is is promising to do a great deal more. Let's look at how Moses responds, though. Verse 13, Moses protested. 
If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? And then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I say I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So we've got Moses' second question of God, and and we've got God's, once again, patient response. And this pattern continues, verse 1 of Exodus chapter 4. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses' third question of God. He's still hesitating, and and God is still considering his, his answers and and providing him answers of his own. And so God gives Moses some signs that he can go display in front of the elders and uh, eventually Pharaoh. And, and these, these are signs that display God's power over creation. And they should verify that Moses is God's representative. And they're kind of a foreshadowing of the ten plagues to come. But Moses wasn't satisfied with that yet. And so verse 10, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Now, my translation switches from protest to plead here. This is a change not necessarily supported in the text itself, but you can imagine Moses at this point. God has slowly chipped away at all of his arguments. He's slowly pulling out all of the the hesitancies that Moses had, answering them. And Moses is, is running out of room to, to resist. And I sympathize with Moses here. It's easy for us to look at Moses and just say, come on, man, get it together. But I sympathize with Moses. When I feel God's Spirit calling me to do something, when I feel God laying something on my heart, I can come up with all kinds of reasons why, you know, that's not a good idea or I'm not the right one to do that why I should do something very different. When I was in high school, I very clearly, multiple times, felt God's call into ministry. I was not about to do that. Not about to do that. And even though God was preparing me and and teaching me, man, I I went to to Great Lakes Christian College because my youth group went there, but I I wasn't going to go into ministry because I like to serve, but I like to do behind-the-scenes stuff. And and so I signed up for an associate's at Great Lakes, and it was going to lead into a business degree, and I took the world's two worst business classes because Great Lakes is a great Bible college. might not be the place you want to go for business. I knew, I knew that God was calling me, and yet I ran. And I continued to run. I ran to Michigan State and got a degree there. And, and it was interesting during this period of my life where I knew that God was calling me this way, but I was going this way, that the cognitive dissonance, the, the feelings of, of being pulled in two directions became so tough, so overwhelming, that eventually I decided for myself that the only way to get out of this was to, to decide that God didn't exist. And so that's what I told myself. God doesn't exist, so I don't have to follow his call. And Jamie and I were living at Great Lakes at this time. That time, and we were serving at her church, and uh, and I was just going through the motions because I wasn't willing to face God's call. I wasn't willing to do what He wanted me to do. I was too scared. It was too much. Moses was there too. Moses was there too, and one final time he answered God. This one's a doozy, verse thirteen. But Moses again pleaded, "Lord, please." Send anyone else. 
This is the moment when Moses goes too far. Verse 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses. Notice how there's no legitimate question here. Just a, hey, I'm out, I'm good, send somebody else. Notice how this, this lack of legitimate question, this just uh, obstinate unwillingness to go is what pushes God into becoming angry. And look, it's, it's okay to have questions for God, to ask questions of God, to have some concerns. And all through this episode, you see Moses' questions met patiently with God's responses. God doesn't show any negative response to Moses. Fully answers his concerns. But now, after God has filled in all of the details and said, okay, now go. Now Moses' request to opt out is, is met with God's anger. It's okay to have questions of God. It's okay to have concerns, but it is not okay to refuse what God is asking you to do. Now, Exodus 3 and 4, they're they're a couple of my favorite chapters. Favorite because they're so relatable. I see myself in this story. They show a man called by God who felt completely inadequate, was incredibly hesitant, who came up with all kinds of excuses. And I bet, I bet, if you think about your own life and your own walk with Jesus, you might be able to see yourself in these chapters too. These chapters also show God's incredibly patient response to this man. He show that, they show that God wasn't just hanging Moses out to dry, not just kicking him out to sink or swim on his own, but that God was going to be right there in the midst of it as well. In fact, God was going to do most of the heavy lifting. He just needed Moses to go. Just go. And so to me, Exodus 3 and 4, they really illustrate this fact that that even when God calls us, He is an ever-present help. When God calls us, He is an ever-present help. It's not just in the times of trouble. It's when God calls as well. And, And so I wonder this morning, Just like I wondered if if God has your attention, I I wonder this morning, what's God calling you to do? What is God calling you to? Maybe he's been asking you to go out on a limb and share your faith with somebody. And I'm not talking about inviting them to church or to a small group. Those are great things. Don't get me wrong. But maybe God has been asking you, he's been putting some name in your mind, asking you to set up an appointment, get coffee with some and Someone invite someone to your porch. Have a conversation where you sit down across from someone and say, hey, let me tell you about something that's very important to me. Let me tell you about who Jesus is. Let me tell you about the life that I have found in his name and how I think that you could find that same life. Maybe that's what God is calling you to, and maybe that's terrifying to you. Maybe God has been calling you to something else. Our, our small groups are, are being challenged right now to be part of this Good Neighbor Initiative. This is something that Abacook, our, our Creative Arts and Serve Minister, has come up with. And it's, it's a way for us to go and make a difference in Jesus' name. The thing is, as church people, we want to be part of a church that is making a difference and serving. And, and we want to be able to say, I go to a church that serves. But we're not always as willing to go ourselves and serve close to home. And so the idea behind this Good Neighbor Initiative is that your small group designates one day a month. For my small group, we meet on Sunday nights, and so we're talking about this, but it would be maybe the third Sunday of every month. And we go and we serve together in Jesus' name. And and what that requires of our members is that during the rest of the month, they are going and knocking on their neighbor's doors. You guys have neighbors. You all have neighbors. Knocking on their neighbor's doors and saying, hey, 
I'm part of a group of people that gets together third Sunday of the month, and we like to serve. And so we would love to serve you. Are there things we can do? Rain gutters, washing windows, moving appliances, something else. There's something we can do for you. And if not, say, okay, well, here's my number, and I'll check back later on. And if there is, then your group goes and you serve in Jesus' name. And you don't try to force anything down anybody's throat, but you do let them know, look, we're serving because we belong to Jesus. Maybe God is is calling you to do that. It's going to be a big ask of your group, but even more so of you as individuals. And if you're not part of a small group, I'm looking out at some of you, see me after church. See me after church. Hey, God's call can be terrifying for some of us. God's call can be something that we resist to. God always calls us to do things that we probably wouldn't do on our own. Moses himself, he had reason to be afraid when encountering God's call because he had stood up for his people in the past and it had blown up in his face. He had to run away in disgrace and fear. And so it makes sense that now that God was calling him again to go back there, that he he was going to have some resistance. He'd been there. He'd done that. He was over it. Maybe for you today, God is calling you to go back and and step into a situation in which you are entirely over it. Maybe he's calling you to step back into a marriage in which there has been a ton of pain, a ton of hurt, heartbreak. And he's calling you to step back in and honor those vows that you made before God and before his people and to love that other person. Maybe God is, is calling you to step back into some other relationship and to make amends. To, to find reconciliation there. Maybe he's, he's calling you to step up to invest in your family's faith development, no matter how old your kids are. If they're little kids, if they're grown adults, intentionally finding ways to, to point them towards Jesus. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. Maybe it is going out to step out and tell your neighbors about Jesus or stepping up to lead and to serve here in this congregation. There are so many ways in which we need people to step up. And God is... God has been doing some amazing things here, and he's continuing to grow and build us. And I feel like they, that in many ways we're like right on the edge of God doing some big things, but we need you to step in and step up. I tell my kids sometimes that bravery is being terrified and then still stepping out to do the task. And I think it's the same when God calls us. Look, at, at God's response to Moses, God didn't offer, when Moses said, oh, I can't speak very well. God didn't offer to take away Moses' speech impediment. God didn't offer to, you know, make everything super easy. No, God did choose to instruct Moses, and he he said, I will be with you. And he says literally here, he says, I will be with your mouth. And for you, courage in following God's call isn't asking God, God, please make this easy, and then I'll go. No, courage in following God's call is stepping up to God's task even when it's terrifying. Even when you don't want to go. Being confident, not in your own abilities. Being confident that God, who's all-sufficient and all-powerful, is going with you. God is that ever-present help. And the assignments that he gives you, the calling that he places on your life, it, it doesn't depend entirely upon you. God is going with you. When God calls, he is an ever-present help. As we wrap up this part of our service this morning, I I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, 
Verse 26 and following, and I, I want you to hear, to listen for who God calls. Verse 26, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy, when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God calls the weak of the world to shame the strong. God called an 80-year-old nomadic shepherd to go confront the king of a world superpower in his time. And even if you haven't had a burning bush encounter with God, I still believe that God is calling you to something. Maybe it's to take that step to place your faith in Jesus and to be obedient in baptism today. Maybe it's to take that step and go be a witness in your community. Maybe it's to take that step and to serve the people of God here in this church. Or it's something completely different. But I do know that when God calls, he will go with you. Can I pray for you? Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of your calling of Moses. God, we recognize our own resistance and our own hesitancies in this story. And God, we're thankful for your grace and your patience with us your forgiveness when we get things wrong. Today I pray, Father, that uh, that as as we continue to process the rest of this morning and as we take steps out of here to go be the church in the world, that, that whatever you're calling us to, God, make it more evident. Give us no ways to ignore you, but God, uh, let your spirit bring these things to our minds and lay these things on our hearts. Give us confidence in you because, God, we know our confidence in ourselves will just fail us. God, let the the world know that you are God because of how we live as your people and as, as because of how faithfully we choose to follow you. I pray these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in the service, we respond to God every week here and and. We do this in a few different ways, worshiping God in in song and worshiping God as we give back in a little bit and worshiping God as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It's interesting that this, this practice that Jesus instituted to remember him, that he instituted it in the context of a meal, a meal which is collaborative and relational. And so as we come and we take that bread that reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us and we Share that juice that reminds us that his blood was shed for us. I'd encourage you to to do so in the context of community. Do so by finding a brother or sister in Christ and joining them at the table and sharing those words with each other, reminding each other of what Jesus has done and of your identity as his people. And so now would you join us in worship? Would you stand and sing?